1: Well, today, of course, we learned that Michael Kovrig, who is one of three Canadians uh, kidnapped by the Chinese government, we learned that uh, he's being treated pretty badly. He was uh, kidnapped by the police in China while walking on a street in Beijing. They waited two days to tell Canadian officials. And according to those who are familiar with the situation, he's being questioned three times a day. Has had to have the lights on 24 hours a day, which is a slight form of torture. I mean, can you imagine? And they're only allowing him more than no no more than one constellar visit a month. And today we learned that uh, you know there was a high level call with uh, top Canadian officials from national security, Christian Freeland. I'm thinking that the prime minister was on that call Um, and Freeland coming out late today, condemning what they're calling the arbitrary detention. See, I I say kidnapping. They use words like arbitrary detention of uh, these men, Um, which is interesting because they don't mention the woman who from Alberta has also been taken into custody. They're saying it's a visa issue, but they're taking China at their word, which I find far more trusting than we should be. But, um, The American allies, our American allies also turning up the heat. They demanded that these men be released. And then late today, we hear from Huawei warning Canada that the fallout would be catastrophic if we should pull out of the 5G network. Let's bring in uh, Christian Ulubrek to this conversation, professor over of uh, political science at the Royal Military College of Canada and Queen's University. Hello there, professor. I haven't talked to you in a while.
0: Good evening and thanks for having me again.
1: All right. This story um, has a lot of tentacles. So let's talk with the first uh, with Michael Kovrig and what we're hearing about how he has been treated. I I mean, China is not not that they do follow any rules, but to to hear about how he's being treated is uh, somewhat disturbing, to say the least.
0: Right. And so I think this is a key distinction to keep in mind that, of course, in Canada, we consider ourselves a rule of law country, which means there is uh, independence between the judiciary and the legislative and executive branches. So if you want to arrest someone, you'll need to present evidence within 24 hours to a court of law, and that evidence needs to have been gathered legally and constitutionally. And of course, these are not the circumstances that we have in China where the judiciary is not independent uh, from the political executive and from the legislature. And so as a result, China is a country that keeps close dibs on all the foreigners in the country and that has a track record of um, leveraging uh, those foreigners when it has, uh, under some circumstances, disputes with other uh, states um, to try to extract concessions or to signal its displeasure. And it appears that that is what may be going on in this particular case. Um, And so it's difficult for countries such as Canada, and China knows this, because we're a smaller power. So that means we have less leverage politically and economically. And it also means, of course, that we only have a modest-sized diplomatic corps, Mm -hmm. so we can only provide so many resources uh, to assist someone who finds themselves in that sort of predicament. And I think that's probably bad news for all Canadians who are in China, because ostensibly all of them could find themselves subjected uh, to that sort of Sort of arbitrary treatment with relatively little leverage for Canada to exert in the circumstances.
1: Right. And so what should Canadians be doing? Because it's almost, uh, you know, you would think that many of them would want to be getting out of there quietly. And, and I guess for diplomatic reasons, the Canadian government cannot say, hey, you know, travel ban, get out, because that would ruffle feathers. But uh, what would Canadians be uh, told quietly about China to get out? So-
0: So look, it's unlikely that we're going to have mass arrests of Canadians here, so in China. The fact that, uh, so China will target individuals uh, that they think are sort of high value, high price targets, that has been sort of the precedent uh, in other cases. Uh, So there's no broader risk in that sense. The challenge, of course, in China is uh, that much of the legislation is deliberately written to leave significant amounts of discretion and gray space for the authorities. And so as a result, it's relatively easy. Easy to run afoul uh, of Chinese um, uh, of, of Chinese laws. Um, and it is exactly that sort of gray space that Chinese authorities will then try to um, uh, capitalize on in these types of circumstances. And it also, as a result, leaves the person who finds themselves indicted with relatively little opportunity to uh, try to make their case, precisely because there's so much latitude uh, in the way that legislation tends to be written um, to maximize the opportunities for the Chinese state to exercise leverage. So. it's it's a challenging circumstances for those who find themselves in it.
1: And certainly challenging for Canada, because we're stuck in the middle. I mean, we're waiting for the Americans to make the next move, because they have to charge her within two months of her being detained, um, and then extradition hearings and that. But that can take some time. And so really, those with the power would be the Americans. And Pompeo came out and said, yes, release those people. But you know, what would be going on behind the scenes as far as negotiations? Who's doing that negotiation? Is it the Canadian government or would it be the Americans?
0: Well, so, I mean, the, the Canada would try to get as much high-level access as they could with Chinese authorities, but uh, it appears that there's not much appetite in China to be talking to, um, to Canadian authorities under the circumstances. Uh, the... Uh, probably much of what happens to those Canadians will hinge on how the case for uh, Mang Manju um, plays out in Vancouver. And I suspect one of the things that her lawyers will do is play for time. And we've seen this scenario before where it can take over 10 years to extradite someone. So there's a reasonable chance that uh, she may not find herself extradited anytime soon. And of course, uh, recent comments by uh, the U.S. president Mm -hmm. weren't helpful because now it has reinforced the ability for her lawyers to make the case uh, that if she were extradited, she would not be able to get a fair trial. Um, So uh, and, and as long as she remains in detention in Vancouver, chances are that China will try to uh, exercise leverage on both the economic front and on perhaps the consular front with Canadians um, as and trying to keep that sort of in reserve.
1: Going back to the comment you just said about Mr. Trump, those comments that he had made about the trade deal or maybe he would get involved, uh, would there be a possibility that America, the um, the Department of Justice, would not charge her? I mean, is there is there a possibility that those comments themselves would have ruined their case and they might have to walk away from this or would they have already told the Canadian? officials that
0: and uh, no I suspect this would play out quite differently um, chances are that um, and uh, this is uh, what could even play out here in Canada uh, that they will try to get her to cooperate so they will give her two options they will tell her look you can risk spending 30 years in jail, and chances are that they have such substantial evidence that uh, that she would probably spend significant months of time in jail, given the way U.S. law is written when it comes to security. Um, or they'll give her a long document with a whole series of points, and they'll tell her, you can cooperate with us, and you can tell us everything you know about each of these points. Uh, and we're not going to tell you what we already know, and if you lie to us, then you're going to go to jail. So now, your choice, whether you're going to start talking or you want to spend the rest of your life. Life in jail. Uh, And I think that's what's really going on. This is less, you know, Huawei, reputational risk, uh, Chinese economy. That's all at play here. But what's really at play is that she knows too much about the business dealings of the company, the shady dealings, the way the Chinese elite is involved, who's getting kickbacks, how those kickback schemes work, how the corruption schemes and the payoffs in third countries work. And so this has massive reputational risk for the Chinese elite and for the Chinese leadership. Uh, And it could be seriously destabilizing if she were to cooperate with U.S. authorities. And that's why I think China is willing to do just about anything to make sure that she does not end up being extradited.
1: Yeah, well, I can't imagine that she would want to irritate her father. I mean, he does, uh, she does stand to make a few gains from his estate. Uh, having said that, um, this afternoon or today, Huawei was making a lot of noise. In fact, kind of putting it out there, saying that if, in fact, Canada does not um, allow Huawei to continue and, and, and become part of the 5G network, that the fallout would be catastrophic. Is that, you know, how is that comment going to be received and what is that telling you?
0: the reputational risk for Huawei is huge here in the sense that if Canada jumps on board with Australia and New Zealand, this risks having a domino effect with the UK as the last 5 eyes country that would be the holdout then likely coming on board. And if you have those five countries on board, then probably other allies and partners would come on board not only for the security risks but also because, of course, our networks are highly integrated. So if you think about the North American telecommunications network that we're using to talk right now, um, it would be very difficult to sever the Canadian network from the US network. Um, and so the, 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 the challenges that this could pose for Canada if the U.S. would say that the Canadian network is too risky and we have to disintegrate um, it has massive economic knock-on effects. And so I think what Huawei is really concerned about here is they're going to shut themselves out out of perhaps half or more of the world's market uh, if Canada falls in line with the U.S. Uh, with U.S. demands here. And of
1: course... But how can we not? I don't understand. Like, how could Canada not stay with our allies? I, I would feel very uncomfortable if we are I mean, who in this country could feel comfortable knowing what we know about this company?
0: Right. So that makes perfect sense, I think, from a security perspective, from a political and from a trade perspective both Canada and the UK have tried to stay out of the fray of the trade war between the US and China mm. and have been trying to walk a very careful middle line and trying to find a compromise uh, because of course uh, Canada stands to lose disproportionately if China starts to exert um, economic prowess uh, in terms of retribution for Canadian decisions. And so uh... this is a very difficult uh... tightrope for canada to walk but i think ultimately Uh, it seems there's now so much pressure uh, from the U.S., and not just from the U.S. Executive Administration, but also from the U.S. Senate on this, that it's going to be very difficult for Canada not to side with the Americans. And look, you know, between you and I, uh, if you had to put your chips down with China or with the U.S., I know exactly where I'd be putting my money when it comes to Canadian security.
1: Yeah, me too. (laughs) Well, we'll see what 2019 brings, but uh, all eyes on this story for sure. Christian, thank you so much for uh, joining us. I appreciate your, uh, your, your expertise on this issue
0: it's been my pleasure
1: happy holidays you as well merry christmas that is professor christian loprak he knows an awful lot about this stuff so we'll continue this conversation because guess what this is as big a story who was it wasn't it anthony fury that said this is the biggest story he is correct here on point i'm alex Pearson. this is global news radio